Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars they weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage website. As always, I am Dan Mecca here with Connor O'Donnell. Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm I, I'm pretty good. Just doing. Getting yeah, through I'm it. doing. <laughs> Recording at the end of May. We've memorialized. We've had the day. We've we've gone on. I went to the beach with the kids, which let me just say for everybody, <laughs> just as like a warning, Okay. When you have kids, if you have kids, it's not really a vacation, just like an FYI. It's like you do it. It's fun, but you're not really going to relax because they're still there because <laughs> the kids are still there. So the reason you would vacate. You're chaperoning they, them like, on their vacation. It's like it basically. follows, except it's not an STD because you had the kids are there, but it's like it follows because they're just there. So. There's not a lot of vacationing. Still very nice. The beach was great. What have you. Good good meals. Um, okay, so today, this episode's a long time coming. A really interesting subject. Um, and to talk about this very interesting person, Tilda Swinton is her name. You know her well. Oscar winner, Tilda, Tilda Swinton. We have uh, a long gestating guest. It's taken us too long to, to get to we get built We built him in a lab, is what Dan is saying. Um, we, I know, to, we lusted to talk, technically. To talk specifically about Tilda Swinton. Uh, but his name is Dan Walbert, public historian and recovering film critic, friend of the podcast. Dan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing this evening? Sure, great. Wasn't aware that I was gestating. <laughs> oh yeah, because I feel all like this we, time. we were test we were texting how long? I feel like a million years. I don't we want to give too about. much of like the spreadsheet away, but we definitely <laughs> had your name on a spreadsheet for like multiple no fault years. Of dance. No, just not, a, a, not at all. A product just a, of like life, and then we took her summer off. I had another baby, you know, yeah. blah blah blah. You know how it goes. But, it's just and um but uh but thank you for, for being here. So Tilda Swinton, um Let's just say, wow, like really just we've covered a lot of people on this show. We've been lucky enough to talk to a few people about their own work or talk to kind of, you know, like people in the industry to some degree about other people's work, whatever. What an interesting like career. Mm. And honestly, I will say, um, just speaking frankly, uh, one, I, I, I thought I knew better than I did do right like upon digging into the films reading about her watching her i felt a little like oh man i i got a lot of work to do so like <laughs> for me this is the beginning of like a very nice um it was, it was great to watch these films and just uh, before we get too far along the the official b-sides today will be uh edward two edward the second uh from the early 90s the Derek jarman movie um Love is the Devil from the late 90s, the John Mayberry movie, uh, the full title of which is Love is the Devil's Study for a Portrait of Francis Bacon. And then in the year 2000, the film Possible Worlds, right the next year is a film that I've always I've loved for a long time. And I love these filmmakers. And we'll talk about it, a film called The Deep End. And then finally, 
techno lust, which I believe is just the year after O2. Obviously, as we always say with this, some of these, most of these movies are smaller. You have festival premieres. You have, you know, I UK, was I was kind of dates, surprised. Dates, but... I, I was surprised at how available a lot of these are, mm-hmm. though. They're like a pleasantly little, so, pleasantly. Yeah, so. they're more available than like you would think, because because they do seem like much deeper cuts uh, in a lot of regards. But I was a little bummed, um, and maybe it's on Criterion, which I don't currently have. I did want to rewatch War Re- War Requiem, which I I saw many moons ago, uh, but I think. It's only streaming there, I believe. So that was I, I need to catch up with that, which was another Jarman movie from her. that was you know, and we'll we'll jump into it. But Tilda basically her first film was Caravaggio, right? Um, she made a lot of films with Derek Jarman, who sadly uh, passed away at a young age. And his last movie is Blue, right, Dan? It which, is, yeah. is which, she his, narr- yeah. which she narrates, right? Well, I think it's many people. I have not seen. Or it she's yet, a right? she's a narrator. It's like a lot. She's of people a narrator. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's I, I, maybe the the only reason I think it's maybe not the best film ever made is because it sort of complicates even the category that a is film. film. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you. Yeah. I saw it on your you like favorites on Letterbox. Yeah. I was gonna ask you how. Yeah, you you clearly love it. That's great. Um, I we'll think that into, might, we'll and that him. until we did some diving into this, that I think was the only Jarman movie I, I had ever seen. Is uh, blue? Is blue? Yeah. So this was kind of a f- fun one okay, for me so as well. First Tildes, uh, as we usually do. I'm going to start it because it's just kind of funny. Now, my first Tildes, Connor. I feel like you might know this if you think about it sure sure there was three three in quick succession as i was like a budding you know i don't know cinephile whatever you want to call it like like young person who was like oh i like these movies let me seek out more movies i watched and she kind of was like striking in all three of these sure and by the third one i think as as is her want like as is her want the beach sure vanilla sky and the the coup de gras at my at a young age. This movie blew me away when I was young. Young Adam, which hmm. is the David McKenzie movie. I still love it. When I was young, though, that was like I was like when you were a young Dan, you loved her young and Adam. Ewan. Yeah. It's a kind of a murder mystery, but it's it's far weirder than that. It's mm-hmm. you know a lot of kind of quite graphic scenes of of sex and whatnot. Don't but... you feel like a lot of her movies are kind of like that, where it's like oh, it's kind of this normal thing. But, mm-hmm. Right, but, but far weirder than that, right? Like that's like that's, a, yeah, that's interesting. You know. That's interesting. Put now, Dan, what was your first Tilda? Do you remember? I was thinking about this earlier because um, I did a little homework uh, about what I was going to be asked, um, <laughs> and I, I'm not. I think it's like I was looking at movies. You know, I was looking at this. You know, the the, the filmography, which is giant and fascinating. And I'm like, I'm I'm pretty sure I saw adaptation like around the time it came out, but it right. like I didn't. I think I was too young, or I don't mm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first time I think I sort of like understood who she was as as a person was a little bit after that, um, which was probably like w- also three movies in a row, but the same year as Broken Flowers, Constantine, sure. and the Narnia movie. Yeah. Um, as like right, a, which. Which are yeah. all, I mean, which it's a great year to bring up. And I think that's um, probably, a that probably is a Venn diagram that I would wager 
intersects with maybe a lot of people's yeah well, like, a lot of American people, yeah, for sure. Yes, I mean, sir, 100%. I mean, because yeah. Broken yeah. Flower, she has the one great scene, I believe, right? She's like one of mm-hmm. the exes, I think. Yeah. And it's like a pretty, um, that must have been the first Jarmusch. No, 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 no. I No, Jarmusch, I saw Coffee and Cigarettes, and I loved it. And I loved it so much that I like went out of my way to drive like an hour away to go see Broken Flowers in theaters, right? Because that was that time. I was in mm-hmm. high school. And I didn't like Broken Flowers, which is always funny because now I'm like, I got to rewatch that movie because I don't, I have no concept. Now I've like seen every one of his, most of his films. I'm like, it must be good. I don't know. I have to go back and watch the movie. But I do, I I feel like I recall her scene fondly, but I honestly would have to rewatch it. But to your point, like she like steals scenes in the Narnia movie. She's the White Witch. Mm-hmm. And then in Constantine, she's the Angel Gabriel. And it's a very kind of a, th- a great three scene, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's basically playing it androgynous. She's like kind of mm-hmm. playing it like, you know, playing playing it straight, but kind of designed to be, you know, whatever you like. And it's a very kind of striking uh, look in that film. And I rewatched her scenes in that film last night and I was like. God, she's, she's great good. too. It's oh. like it's very like. Well, I I, I was gonna say. I, uh, Dan, well, Connor, when also tell the answer, answer, but no, tell I us think ours over person. overlap for the most okay, part. Okay. So I think chronologically, mine was definitely the beach. Right, it was like the first sure. thing I would have seen her in for sure. Sure, I don't think I registered her quite as much. Same thing. She she's in that movie. She's Sal. She like runs yeah. the utopia. She runs quote, the beach. Unquote, utopia. Yeah. She mm-hmm. runs, runs the beach. Um, yeah. and I had seen vanilla sky as well but also she's in like one scene so i didn't i don't think good i really scene. read but i do scene. think constantine was the first time i saw her in a movie and was like who is this very interesting person um yeah uh and yeah and i guess i and i so, don't think i saw yeah. the narnia movie in theaters when it had come out but i, okay, I, I don't know if- yeah, I don't know I, that I did either. I remember she was in it though. Like I remember, I think she's in all. I believe she's in all three. I I also feel like there was a time, and maybe I'm just projecting onto like the audiences of America or whatever. But I think there also was a thing with her where she almost came across as like the not Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. so so much so that like she gets cast as like a not Kate Blanchett in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. Oh right, right. Like, she's the swimmer. Yeah, right. and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's an. It, I feel like that was just. I and again, I like I said, I might be projecting, but I feel like that was like the no, pocket think, well, she look, occupied think, for a while, at least in a well, mainstream sense. Not like, to, well, not to stay in a reductive place, but I think yeah. certainly, if you're speaking writ large about the American culture, certainly both of those incredible actresses, I think, read as read as cold to viewers, which is a very kind of oversimplified they're both very beautiful in like an alien way like yeah yeah Yeah. sure yeah so i think that's an easy comp and i think probably far too many people do it and but in a very kind of general stereotypical i'm sort of more so calling it out to kind of set the stage here frankly because i feel like Mm -hmm. that's like how yeah so but what's interesting is you know our our, so our first film you know edward two is is a good primer to just talk about her early career and um and I kind of mentioned it before, but obviously, you know, uh Tilda is technically born in England, but 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 is Scottish 
you know, in every way as she tells it, right? I think her family is Scottish. Um, that's how she considers herself Scottish, right? She's uh, pro-Scottish independence, right? Very much kind of the, a direct of descendant street. of Robert the Bruce. Indeed. So, uh, which well, and you know, any Chris Pine, <laughs> yeah, adjacent, <laughs> you know, any. Weirdly enough, David McKenzie directed I know, that movie I know. and directed Young Adam. Around around we go. Um, but yeah, born in 1960, which is kind of once again to the point of feels ageless because that she's my dad's age. No, no, I yeah. To her credit, she is she is younger than or she's older than I thought. To her credit, like I assumed, I, I if you had asked me her age, I would have taken ten. 15 years off probably yeah she so she early on she's you know early 90s or early 20s in the early 80s her 20s in the early 80s she's in the royal shakespeare company right she works uh a couple different theaters in uh and around the uk and then kind of quickly uh takes up with working with derek jarman who makes caravaggio in 1986 they go to the Berlin Film Festival, as I believe what she said. And that's kind of she speaks pretty freely about like how film festivals are something she's like quiet, not so quietly obsessed with. She calls festivals her church. Right. She loves going to film festivals. And it kind of all started there with her first film. And I think I don't know, Dan, if you want to give us some context, if you if, if you wouldn't mind to like those early films, just because I feel like you've seen more Jarman movies than certainly mm-hmm. I have. And I don't know, kind of you, you said you've seen Blue and. And Edward too, but uh, I guess can you see the progression of her as an actress in those early films all the way to Edward too is like a lauded performance. But I mean, there's yeah, a that's lot kind of, of like her uh, coming out party, so to speak. Kind of, I a feel like, bit. yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. It's so fun because she like I don't know. I mean, she just sort of appears in Caravaggio already, just great at it. Sure. <laughs> um, and there's a a scene. In which her and Sean Bean are in like a hammock feeding each other gold coins. Love and it. there's Love just something about the way that she carries herself that it like, and you know, I mean, it changes, but it's, it's also complicated because it's like a lot of that early stuff is not um, like she has a screen presence that is is sort of the primary thing that's asked of her in a lot of that early stuff. Um, it's like, you know, there's dialogue in Caravaggio, but like Last of England is this like really elaborate, beautiful, strange, um, experimental piece. Um, and War Requiem is the same thing. And like, so there's a lot of sort of, I don't know, kind of complicated experimental stuff going on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess Edward II is sort of like the first vaguely, I calling it conventional is, is sort of nonsense, but it's like kind of the, like it's a thing that she's given um with like a clear character that is is sure. a little bit more built out than the one Caravaggio and that like and that also for Jarman is sort of also a, a step in the direction of like he'd already done the Tempest which is also like an adaptation of a play with a script already written but the Tempest is is kind of wonkier than this is and like I was watching some of it yeah. earlier cuz I was I really loved Edward uh too you know I I uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna devour every movie I can get my hands on of his now, um, having watched it. But it's fascinating as we kind of it's, it's, that's all. It's all really interesting context, and it's fascinating 
even as I'm looking at War Requiem, something I forgot is that Lawrence Olivier came out of retirement and his final film mm-hmm. role is in War Requiem. And it's so interesting that Olivier almost like intentionally or not, like having been a part of so many of the great British, you know, mm-hmm. stories, if you want to call it, you know, he like basically, hand, you know, is mm-hmm. in a film in which he's almost... I don't know what you handing it off is the wrong way to say it, but it's, I find it interesting. He's in a Jarman movie mm-hmm. where the express intention of so many of his films is to almost rewrite that narrative, right. And like add his political, you know, beliefs and whatnot to these quote unquote traditional texts. Right. And, you know, just to set up Edward too, right. This is a uh, Christopher Marlowe play which was produced after Marlowe had died, which at the time of its production and ever since is known for being, and other, some of Marlowe's other, a lot of Marlowe's other work had this too, but it is a, um, it is a reading of obviously the real Edward II in which uh, the homosexual themes are like, at the forefront, right? And the text that's in the Marlowe play, you know, is treated as such, right? And it's very much, Mm -hmm. you know, in every way, you know, part and parcel of the film adaptation. And, um, And it's just an interesting, I just find it so interesting that Olivier kind of, that that's his send off, I find, it's nice. I don't know, I think it's like, it's it's an interesting uh, element. But anyway, Edward II, what did we think of this movie? I feel like, we can't. Nobody. Everybody liked this movie, right? It's great. This was yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I, I like. I was like, from the from only qualms one, I have with I this like, movie are not really its fault. If I'm being honest, like, I, I think aesthetically there are some things where, like, I just feel like it could look a little better, but I don't really like. I'm not gonna. It it that just feels like a factor of like its budget my, and it's you know like my, so i'm not really going to hold that against the movie if i'm being honest and dan i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this my only the thing that i needed basically the first act with was mm-hmm. stephen waddington who plays the titular character i i wasn't fully buying for a little bit of, of this and and i i don't but that i say that only to say he by the end or not by the end, but by, you know, kind of, you know, you know, he's imprisoned, obviously, you know, if you don't know this, just quick synopsis of, of Edward II, right? So it's, uh, Edward II's the king, uh, his father dies, his lover, Piers Gaveston is, um, he comes back to, uh, England and then like very quickly the relationship is, you know, a scandal amongst all the other royals and within basically minutes in the film, in the, you know, in the, in the running time, um, Edward II is basically forced to banish him from the kingdom. And that act leads to pretty much this escalation of revolution, coup attempt, and more. And, you know, Edward II becoming imprisoned, um, you have Tilda Swin playing Isabella the Queen. She won the Venice Prize for Best Actress for this film. Like Connor said, this was kind of the first big, like, kind of international acclaim. I would, I would, I would argue 
mm-hmm. that kind of brought her. Orlando's the next year. So it's like this and Orlando are kind of like, here we go, or a little bit, right? right. And um, and then you have Andrew Tiernan and his Piers Gaveston. You have Nigel Terry as Mortimer, who's basically the kind of he's like the military the head who's conspiring yeah, the, with Tilda, basically. Essentially, mm-hmm. Jerome yeah. Flynn, who you would know as I can't think of the character's Braun name on from Game of Thrones. Bro, thank you, Bron yeah. from yeah. Game of Thrones. I was literally I spent thirty minutes being which like, that's Ian Glenn, and then I was like, no, no, that's, not, that's look, not, not to be mean, but it's a good thing the dude grew the beard eventually. I'll say that he just I he just looks better. The with beard. It. Works. I, yeah, I gotta be <laughs> but he's he's kent in the in the he's kent in he's the, the uh, in, edwards in the edwards brother yeah mm-hmm. yeah and anyway this is just one of these movies and it's so funny to watch it now because i look i am a big defender slash lover of the michael amorita hamlet movie with ethan hawk mm-hmm. i really like the richard Iyer, richard three uh, mm-hmm. adaptation um there's a bunch of other films. Uh, Ray Fiennes, Coriolanus, I think is pretty good. So you have these anachronistic Shakespeare mm-hmm. adaptations. And I kind of had no idea that Edward II had like a version of that come before mm-hmm. it and really like yeah. eats all their lunch. Yeah, it's no, like he, really he like, does a lot of great things, good. especially yeah. once Edward's in prison. Like Jarman brings in all these things of like queer protests and protesters. My and Annie Lennox sings yeah, a song. You get, I was like yeah, in you, heaven. For you get months. a whole Annie Lennox doing Cole Porter which is amazing and that's the to the, that's set to the whole sequence of uh edward sor- sort of seeing gaviston off uh, initially um which is great yeah i um i guess dan my question for you because you mm-hmm. basically picked all these b-sides why this one like what what honed in on i really liked this movie just to I say just... but what made you want to pick it I don't know. It's like the reason to, to get up in the morning. It's, it's interesting. I'm like, you know, I mean, the, the concept of the B side is is so interesting, right? Because it's like to me, this is this is sort of one of the tilde A sides. Yeah, you um, could I, sure. contextually, sure. you could certainly like. I think any anyone who's like we were talking about, maybe covered by that Venn diagram of like initially mm-hmm. being familiar with her from Constantine and the Narnia movie and whatever, like might this might you could classify it as a b-side for maybe somebody like that but i do think contextually it's it's like her first a-side maybe uh, but i also say. think yeah. i mean her career is, is sort of not to you know yeah whatever but like i mean her career is really interesting because i think it kind of gums up the whole works of the sure. concept of of the b-side which is what makes it interesting to think about i think it's also just like thinking about and again you know Lawrence olivier is in a different one but like i think i just that that i think I've been thinking a lot about that in the last couple of minutes because it's so interesting that you have Laurence Olivier's last movie being one of Derek Jarman's movies as opposed to like a Merchant Ivory production. Sure. Oh, well, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, that, I, lo- I love yeah. it. I love that. Yeah. And it's yeah. the complete opposite of that that impulse to kind of take historic British culture and say this needs to be preserved in amber with beautifully directed sets and costumes and it needs to be like authentic as if such a thing is even real when you have a camera and a set and actors and like you're not really recreating the past certainly not a past that's in a novel anyway and I think what's so energizing about this movie for me is is the idea that the past is useful um to the now um and that edward ii is such a great thing to make a movie about in 1991 because like 
it's it's all still or and it's not that it's all still relevant it's that Derek Jarman saw things in it that were relevant and decided to put them up on screen in a yeah. way that hits you over the face with it right and like those are real activists in the gay rights march it breaks out in the middle of the movie um and the and all of the costumes and and the positioning and it's like this is a sure a movie about a king from 800 years ago but it's like Tilda is playing this queen but she's also like playing thatcher um and mortimer is is dressed in a way that like is you know it's this is about a bunch of different things but it's like also about the falklands war and it's also about like section 28 and the fact that from 1988 to like 2000 whatever like you couldn't talk about like teachers weren't allowed to talk about being gay in schools Mm -hmm. because so it's like all really active conversations and it's not like just a metaphor it's it's right there like screaming he makes a great yeah you know he he makes a great argument for it being in the text, right? Like it feels, mm-hmm. it feels directly there, especially like one of the things I loved the most about this is, uh, sorry, I just want to get his name, Andrew Tiernan in the Piers Gaveston role, because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great character, especially in the way Germont presents it, where like you get the feeling that i mean you you mentioned that like the thatcher reference right like a lot of the the actor the characters that are in the court right mm-hmm. seem to have this objection to gaveston because he's this like chaotic mess who's like bad for business what i love what i love about the way jarman presents the movie is like that is true right like this dude is like a fucking mm-hmm. crazy stinker right who mm-hmm. like actually would be bad for any king to be, yeah, yeah, for bit, any yeah. king mm-hmm. to be involved with right but it's because of the lens that he paints on the whole thing it's like okay well that they're not just saying that but they're certainly using it as a means mm-hmm. to just deal with any anti-queer bias or feeling they might have right like that's the mm-hmm. real thing that's going on here right and like that's mm-hmm. the way he kind of pulls it through the text and it's super it it just it doesn't feel uh, like the postmodernist thing. Well, also you could even I mean you could even reach further and say like, you know, Tiernan's performance as Gaveston is like he's more flamboyant, right? Where it's yeah. like Waddington yeah, yeah, yeah. is as Edward is like more reserved, and you almost feel the court being like, hey man, you know, Walk don't ask, don't tell, little, right, right, mm-hmm. like yeah. you know, okay, you can yeah. do this stuff, but don't parade it around. That's the, you know, you get a little bit of that as well, and I think, you know, it's, it's all of a piece, of course, and I think obviously, you know, what's so fascinating, bringing it back to Tilda, is like the the um, escalation of that character, where in those last like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. she's just at fourteen, you know, at yeah. ten, yeah. and you're just like. Because I was kind of watching it being like, from you know, I knew she had won in Venice, and I was like, okay, this is a good performance. But I'm curious, like, yeah, it, was it just her time in film festival world? She had made a lot of these films, and then you get to that third act, and you're like, or I guess fifth act, whatever. Like, you get to that final act, and you're literally like, oh, never mind. Like, she's just like devouring scenes and literally like you know, biting necks and cashing check. You're just like, yeah, this is insane. You know, that and moment. It's and I don't yeah. want to go too much into it, but that specific moment, oh. I, I cackled. I was like, this oh, is the, beautiful. I was like, yeah, this brilliant. Is, I was like, this is the fucking greatest thing yeah, I've ever beautiful. seen. She has I, a beautiful, yeah. I mean, she has a beautiful monologue earlier on the film. So it's not like she's doing nothing. I'm just saying 
to watch it all come together, it's quite. And then with Orlando, and when you know Orlando's, you know Sally Potter's Orlando's like right around the corner. It's truly like, it's almost like I just any any performer would dream of that one two punch. You know what I mean? Of just they're so different. The roles are so different. It's like I don't know. It's a fascinating well, we haven't, trajectory. Yeah. I think it's a good springboard. Just moving forward, like. We have, I don't think we have covered too many people on this podcast that I would describe as fearless. And I think, I'm trying to mm-hmm. think who else, and I, have. but I just think that she's certain, like, that's like the first word I would think to describe her, right? As a, as a performer. And I think mm-hmm. this performance is a really good indication of that. Cause, like you said, Dan, there are, there are moments in the earlier parts of it that just feel very, you know, relatively reserved, re- relatively straightforward as like a Marlowe play or something mm-hmm. Shakespearean would go or whatever. And then it just, she's so willing to just like go to the other places. Um, yeah. Well, she has to do so much more. I mean, not, not exactly that she has more work to do as an actor, but like, you know, I think it's interesting to think about kind of the performances of of the other people because Stephen Waddington and Andrew Tiernan kind of, I mean, they're act, you know, they're like giving good performances, but like the thing that, the scenes that they're in that are the ones that that are supposed to really establish how you feel about them are not really like acting like yeah. the the you know i mean the annie lennox bit right she mm-hmm. comes in and she sings the cole porter song and annie like, lennox kind of acts that scene for them exactly yeah, yeah yeah and and they they represent kind of like a like an idea and a feeling of love and and like warmth and peacefulness and and there's another early Derek German movie, which is amazing, which is um, The Angelic Conversation, which is basically just an hour and 20 minutes or so of experimental, like, you know, um, film, like beautiful, I think it's like 16 millimeter, like beautiful images of just like nature and men holding each other and 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 it's all to um uh oh god who did the soundtrack someone's gonna be mad at me now um but it's it's uh i can you know, those, i can those, edit those it those and people. i'll make you sound real smart um, no it's coil uh <laughs> okay. it's, oh, it's yes, coil yes, yes. music and judy dench um reading shakespeare love sonnets and that's the movie right and so like that sounds great (laughs) it's great and what and those couple of scenes with with edward and gaviston in the the first half of the movie are like that's what they're trying to be so it's like they have a different job as actors than tilda does in the same movie that they're sharing together um which Which is like why obviously she's the one who gets an award and stuff and look to your point you can see that look you can understand he makes the Tempest. It's similar, right? Shakespeare obviously mm-hmm. is different than Marlowe, but or is he? Or is he? Whoa! Um, um, but um, I will say, I will say, Derek Jacoby's fucking knocking at the door. Let me just say somewhere, yeah, Jacoby. <laughs> uh, nice segue to our nice yeah, next movie. But uh, but uh, did somebody say? What if I told you? What is the what is the, the opening scene of that terrible movie? What if I told Was you? He anonymous, never right? Is that a word? Yeah. Right, the opening scene. <laughs> Anyway, um, oh my god, that movie. So, um, Reezy Vance, God bless. Uh, so when you watch The Tempest and you know that the text of The Tempest, it's Mm -hmm. a similar thing, right? You have in that in that play, there's like three different things happening, right? Mm -hmm. You have like three different like narratives and like tonally, like 
fully different things happening um you know in that in that text as well um so that's interesting and then i think just the thing i was going to say about marlo is i didn't fully appreciate Liam Neeson's performance or that they tried to dress ireland up as la (laughs) so so i i did not fully appreciate how little is known about christopher marlo like And I guess there's not much known about Shakespeare either, which is its own thing, mm-hmm. I suppose. But really, like, we don't know a lot about Marlowe at all, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, some people think he was a spy for the government, right? Some people think, he, you know, there's like, you know, I think his queerness is a little, is like, from his text, is like, one of the things we can, I don't want to say assume, but like, you know, is like, one of the only things suggested from it is I, from the limited reading that I did, but like really interesting that it's like so little is known. I always think of the, you know, the silly, I, I, though I love it, the silly Shakespeare in love bit where Rupert mm-hmm. Everett plays Marlowe and like gives Joseph Fiennes <laughs> Shakespeare, like all of the best notes that like mm-hmm. results in <laughs> Romeo and Juliet when he like gives him the whole play. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, obviously, uh, spoilers. But fi- you know, finds the one that gets, you know, uh, Marlowe killed in that movie, which is also interesting. But um, anyway, great movie, my God, and uh, really just one of those things where. Well, another funny Waddington thing, Dan, when you were talking, mm. the next year he gets eaten alive on purpose by Dana Day Lewis in The Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. He's right. like the he's the soldier who like wants to marry. Madeline Stowe mm-hmm. and Hawkeye's like, get out of my way, bro. I'm uh, Dan Day Lewis in this movie. Um, all right. So then, all right. So then you have just quickly with Tilda, mm-hmm. the 90s are not. So Orlando happens, uh, kind of like you said, it's, it's somewhat of a one two punch. Um, you have Blue, you have uh, Wittgenstein is comes out that same year, which is also German. Um, and then and then she's in, it's interesting, she is in a John Mayberry movie, Remembrance of Things Fast, right, the next year. She's in an earlier Lynn Hirschman Leeson movie who directs Technolust, uh, which this movie, Conceiving Ada, is loosely about Ada Lovelace, right? And then that next year, 98, she's got an admittedly small role, right, as Muriel Belcher, and mm. Love is the Devil's Study for a Portrait of Francis Bacon, in which, of course, that's another John Mayberry movie. Derek Jacoby plays Francis Bacon, the amazing, well-regarded, you know, somewhat controversial uh, British uh, <laughs> artist. Daniel Craig, kind of in his first big coming out party, uh, plays George Dyer, who's one of Bacon's lovers, kind of his most, you know, his most tragic triste, if you will. Um and Tilda's Muriel Belcher, who uh, was one of Bacon's friends slash antagonist slash he painted her. Um, let me just say this. I, this was my favorite movie of all. I love this movie. I was like from the minute it started. And look, I, lo- I liked all these movies. This is definitely one of the best in terms of like B-side, like, you know, uh, selections, uh, you know, mm-hmm. each each one of these was was super engaging and interesting. This one just I loved. I like went down a deep Francis Bacon rabbit hole. I obviously knew he was, but I didn't fully appreciate. You know, I watched um, a pretty great documentary about uh, Francis Bacon 
that came out in the late 80s that I will link to um, in the article as well. It was called Francis Bacon and the Brutality of Fact. Features a lot of uh, a direct interview with him. And um, he died in the early 90s. And yeah, like this is just John Maber is an interesting guy. Um, you could argue, I was like saying this to Connor, this is probably super reductive, but you could almost feel Mayberry like trying to be like, maybe I could be like Derek Jarman, you know, and it's like, no, no, John. But, but, but he, you know, he does a couple films with Tilda. He goes on to make slightly bigger films. And now I think he mostly directs TV. Um, he made a film called The Jacket starring Adrian Brody, which is interesting. And, and, da- and Daniel Craig featuring. Daniel Craig's in that as well. Um, but anyway, this movie, uh, Dan, Francis Bacon, this film, what are your thoughts? What do you think about this one? It's, I don't know, it's good. It's bizarre. Um, yeah. I mean, and I guess yeah. like they're all bizarre and that's sort of a meaningless thing to say. But like, um, I think it was funny. I, I And I it's one of the ones I hadn't seen before. Um, and I, I, it's so funny that Tilda's third build. Yeah, I know. Um, Actually I know, I know. hilarious to me because she's what she's got a cumulative four minutes of screen time maybe probably yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and it's and I, I and i knew nothing about this this woman um who seems like a hoot but it's you know she shows up on screen and you're like is this is this an impression how accurate is this impression yeah, no that's a great i kept thinking that. that's a great because yeah. it also se- like it seems like she's in makeup right granted it so Muriel's featured like frequently in the movie, mostly just mm-hmm. in the setting of the bar slash club that she owns. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is very deliberately shot in a like distorted fisheye, yeah. like extreme fisheye kind of way, almost in a way that I like. But that's basically the context for most of the time that you see Tilda. Mm-hmm. So I did have a hard I was like, is she like. It, does she have some Bong Joon-ho makeup on? Like what? Like I was trying to figure out like what the level of like Tilda being a character was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is she going to go full Okja? Right, uh, right, right. I mean, it so feels good. like and this is this is perhaps a reference that that is in a different room. But um, there on uh, the uh, All Stars 7 on uh, Drag Race uh, sure. when they did the all winter season and they did Snatch Game, Raja was. Um, did this like insane uh, impression um, in the first one of uh, what's her face? Um, wow, uh, this is another thing to cut. No, you don't have to cut this. Um, <laughs> no, but I am. I am googling what you're talking about <laughs> while you're it's, talking. About. You should find um, just like you can because it's it's Drag Race. Um, you can find uh, like a clip of just you know her like minute and a half on on TV because they did two. Snatch Games in one episode, but she was Deanna Vreeland um, in like, uh, just like caked on makeup. And she right. has like a line about purple mittens and just her mouth. It's just like, she's doing, she's like, it, it's that, it's like drag. It's like a drag caricature in this movie, which is great. Um, and it was just so funny because it's like, you know, this woman who I did a little bit oh of, my of research oh, I'm, afterwards. I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's, this is the vibe that I got. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> And she was, you know, I mean, she was like known for being kind of a monster and like her um, 
Muriel Belcher's like bar notoriously the drinks were really expensive because she was like daring you to go somewhere else less interesting like it just <laughs> it's and she just like sat there like yelling at people um which is great um and but it was one of those things where it's like I assume like Muriel, Muriel Belcher died before almost certainly before Tilda Swinton met her if that had right. been a thing but there's like yeah. definitely people on set who knew Knew this woman and so it's it which is great it just so that was my my biggest takeaway was just like this is an incredible like weird little piece of like british gay bar history i could have used i i i like this movie but i could have used more of that if i'm being honest like a like i wanted i found myself wanting like one tilda scene right like one Mm -hmm. full like and i guess it's it's hard because you know, it seems like maybe shooting it in a way to obscure maybe how small the setup is almost or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the bar exists in sound design and stuff. So the the fisheye visuals kind of help mask that. And it comes mm-hmm. off well. I think it comes off fine in the movie. But I have to wonder if like they just he didn't have the, you know just the range in the budget to just set right. up yeah, like yeah. a, you know, like a bar for her to yeah, just certainly. have a moment. Um, yeah. The film feels a little hamstrung by budget though. I will say I love the lens choices. Like for me, that mm-hmm. was what I really just drew me in. But first of all, I think Craig is incredible. I think yeah. Daniel Craig is truly like, and me and Connor were talking, me and you were talking about this before earlier today. Like, you know, it's interesting to think about this and then, um, you know, uh, you know, Road to Perdition happens. And then um, there's a couple other films like The Mother, Enduring Love, right? Like there was right. a few yeah. earlier films. Th- those come after this. But it's it's fascinating to kind of watch him really explode in those eyes, that angular face, like sharp features. It all really works, especially especially with you know next to you know jacoby who like look speaking of olivier like derek jacoby's like olivier literally picks him out of a cast and is like hey you're the next one right mm-hmm. like jacoby right. like lives off of that basically recommendation for his whole life right and i think he basically lives up to it i mean he's a very you know interesting actor i think you know from what i've seen of him i think he's great here as well you know, certainly looks like Bacon, which is interesting, or, you know, or like enough mm-hmm. like him, you know, and I think, you know, Francis Bacon somewhat famously was a hard partying um, sort, but also like very gregarious and very mean, right, mm-hmm. in equal measure. I think his, a lot of his work got a lot of criticism or attention because of its presumed violence right the, the, they're very kind of visceral works um a lot of them in triptych right um one of his most famous ones is his portrait of george dyer which i th- believe comes out i think the one he does yeah. after dyer dies is one but an earlier one it also was very famous and and um dyer himself was like a very striking you know, not unlike Craig, a very striking sort. Mm-hmm. And look, he dated not to be, but if you go down the bacon rabbit hole, the guy had a type. He dated a lot of guys who looked like George Dot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting to, and there's a little bit of reference of it in the film, 
you're right where you have the earlier uh the earlier lover kind of come into the picture briefly where mm. there is echoes of of the two of them but um yeah all of those elements worked like just the the for me like just the 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 you using the the brush strokes and the painting as like a transitional element in a lot of it mm. spots you know i liked how they it almost reminded me a little bit of pollock where it was like the matter of factness with which he does the art where it's like he has to do it but also he's not you know not to bring back Danny Day Lewis but it's not like a Danny it's not he's not going to be like oh I have to be in the mindset I have to do like I there mm -hmm. has to be a whole pro like it's not Jared Leto like sending rats to the crew right it's like mm -hmm. it's this very kind of matter of fact very British like which like, is sort again, of there's which I loved I loved all that there's something it. kind of ironic to that right because like just to clarify too so the one of the famous sets of paintings that you're referring to, Dan, was called the black. It was a series of triptychs called the black triptychs, which were painted in 70 after. Yeah, 72, yeah. which is the year he started painting them in 72, uh, the year after George Dyer killed himself. And I think that's kind of interesting because those paintings are basically thought to be a sort of exorcism, right? Like a kind of him, mm -hmm. you know, getting out that the, the, whatever, whatever guilt uh, he had from just whatever his relationship with Dyer. So I do think it's funny because it's like that almost feel I, I feel like the movie, I feel like Mayberry's very deliberately positioning what you might know about Bacon and those paintings almost ahead of the movie. Right. Like, mm -hmm. which is why this movie's great, because it's like it doesn't really it doesn't really have patience for its audience a little bit in a way that I appreciate where it's like. Look, you can dive into this, and if you know a little bit about Francis Bacon, you might have enough to go in. Or, and you know, obviously Google wasn't as much of a thing at the time, but like it does feel a little bit like Google it. Like, just like, you know, do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it feels a little bit like it's just going to carry not, you. It's not holding your hand. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Thank you. And yeah. like, that's well, what I kept I... thinking. Not to be, I kept thinking, we talked about Merchant Ivory before. It's like the antithesis of surviving Picasso, right? Which sure. is like, or, or any kind out. of any kind mm -hmm. of artist biopic, well, only, right? Like, well, but only because Francis like, Bacon like, has to think about his whole life before well, he paints a painting exactly. like that. Mm -hmm. For like me, that what, what, kill, what kills me with the Picasso thing, especially in 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 direct, you know, in direct, uh, you, know, you know, comparing the two that came out at similar times. You know, Picasso was alive for a long time. Like he gave interviews, right? Like Bacon was alive till not till the early nineties. Like. You know, th this is not Raphael. Right. It's not some it's not, not some like, lost era of history you know, or something you like can, that. Yeah. You know, I can, you know, you know, the, you know, I can read interviews. I can watch film like it's not. Don't try to, like, trick me. You know, right. Ishmael Merchant, James <laughs> Ivory. Come on. Like, what are we doing here? You know, and um, one thing quickly I meant to say before, I would I would love to know what Derek Jarman thought of their movie Morris, though. I will say. Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, because I, I he, do. He, oh, go ahead. Yeah. He hated their movies. Oh, uh, I wonder. Um, but do you think he might have kind of liked Morris? Hating them. I mean, maybe. I. That's I a good one. I, like, good. I mean, look, I love, I love a lot of their movies, but, 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 but it's interesting. I anyway. Sorry, not to derail, but that's. Yeah. I would be curious to know. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure he would have had a. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because and, and, and I don't know enough about his relationship with like E.M. Forster. I know that like E.M. Forster's reputation was really complicated um, by the time right. you get to gay liberation because it's like I, right. he lived a long time. He could have said something before he died. But like, is it your is it our place in the in the future to be like this man could have come out and done some good? Yeah. But also like, but so like there's political it's like politically complicated. Um I mean, I'm sure he would have hated surviving Picasso. I, I think there's like something interesting to be said about um, public funding for uh, public funding and also not public, but just like one of the, the gripes that, that he had was movies getting made sort of because they were seen as like a heritage benefit. Um, sure. Right. Which right. Like, obviously you right. can't say about this movie either, which is why, you know, they're sort of like... Um, on similar pages uh and they did also um derek jarman and john mayberry did both direct pet shop boys music videos oh uh, yeah, there you go gonna, so they, okay. they were in the same circle and, yeah yeah sure that's right because uh, okay. mayberry's yeah. uh, you would argue that you know honestly arguably the most famous thing mayberry ever directed is the sinead o'connor nothing compares to you music video mm-hmm. which is like to this day one of the most iconic music videos ever made right it's like you know and and still fully it is a stunner. Like I rewatched it, you know, oh, three days ago, and I was like, "God, this thing is awesome!" Like the the, the close up and the tear. I mean, that's you know not easy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's funny. The Pet Shop Boys, of course, yeah, Mayberry. So yeah, I mean, this one, yeah. So honestly, it th- this is a good example of like I honest I, I honestly knew nothing about this film before it was you know uh, recommended uh, for, for as one of the B sides. And like by minute 10, I was like rewinding, watching, you know, very kind of deep into it and like kind of very um, engulfed would be the right word, probably. Um, And it's a shame. I wanted to. I didn't tweet it, but maybe I'll tweet it after we record. Like, well, John Mayberry, like make just one more movie, bro. Just make he's like making TV, but it kills me because it's like it turns out I had seen, you know, I'd seen. I mentioned before I'd seen the jacket, which Mm -hmm. is kind of an interesting failure. And then. He then made a, an interest, another kind of an interesting movie called The Edge of Love, which is like Kira Knightley's mom, I think, wrote the screenplay. And it's mm-hmm. like the Dylan Thomas movie where it's like Dylan Thomas and his loves, basically. And it's like Sienna Miller, Kira Knightley, and I think young Matthew Reeves, I believe, is in it. Although I don't know that he plays Dylan Thomas. And it's like, I think that's the last movie Mayberry made. Um, that was a long time ago now. It was like 15 years so it would be great to get another one from them. Um, but this one's great. I don't know. This really worked for me. Um, what any final love is the devil thoughts? Uh, I no, I don't know. Watch it. It's 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 my favorite kind of like art biopic thing, right? Like it a little it's, reminded mm-hmm. me of free of Frida, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the Julie Tame yeah, or Frida. Yeah. I don't I don't like Frida quite as much as this one. But Frida kind of does that too, where it's a little like. And Tamor's kind of that kind of filmmaker too, yeah, right? Like, yeah, let's yeah, turn yeah. this kind of conventional thing on its head a little bit. Well, just that. it's it also does the better, just the better thing of it's a, it's a slice of life biopic, right? Like yeah. it's like let me take just a portion Capturing of this moments. Yeah, yeah, let me capture moments. It's a slice of bacon, if you will. Um, <laughs> But but it's basically just like crispy bacon. picking, yeah, picking pieces to kind of give you a sense of overall who this mm-hmm. person was, right? As opposed to trying to really 
laboriously tie together their whole life as some kind of predetermined narrative that led to them being who they are. Right. Like, which I think is always the smarter. This is always the smarter way to go. It takes um, all your bad feelings. It turns no into right. It's just feelings. you just you're walking into a trap if you do it the other yeah. way. Like it's well, not because it's it's proof when you make a biopic like that. It's it's proof that you don't have a reason to make your movie. Sure. I right. think right, right. And um, look, I yeah. say this as someone like I love Elvis. I think that movie's an ass magnet. It's a lot of fun to watch, but like. I prefer this, right? Like I just prefer an this kind magnet. of like, yeah. Ass, that is it. I just shout Connor out that. Donald, that's no, no. That's, that's a that's an Andrew Jupin from We Hate Movies. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, that's shout an Andrew Jupin phrase. But shout out to our I remember buddy he said it. I was like, that is what it is. I can't. I can't help but watch it. Um, that's funny. That's funny. But no, um, I, I just I yeah. I recommend this movie because I just think, and I'm glad you 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 put it on our list, Dan, because I just think it's. Anything it has to offer you is far more interesting than anything mm-hmm. else of, of its kind, even even if it has any kind of failings, I guess is my point. Sure. Now, can we say um, Possible Worlds, our next film, it's the indie sliding doors? It's the <laughs> – it's, so- it's, it's, it's the proto – Eternal Sunshine. Of the it's Spot the of first. Mind. It's the mm-hmm. first of two movies we're going to talk about where Tilda Swinton is like, "What if I thought Black Mirror was cool before everyone else does?" Like, it's a the little, first. Mm-hmm. It just little. feels, and I mean that kind of as a compliment. Mm-hmm. It it feels like a, a it feels like what people would consider like one of the best episodes of Black Mirror. This like mm-hmm. is is kind of now. I want to say she does make interestingly. Uh, and Dan, I wonder if you've seen this film. I, I don't know. She makes a Luca Guadagnino movie in '99. Uh, oh yeah, no, called... I haven't seen that one. Is that okay. their is that their first movie together? Yes, it's the protagonists yeah. is the name of it. It's a crime thriller. I don't know much about it. Um, Andrew, funny enough, Andrew Tiernan is in this film uh, of uh, from you know uh, from Edward II, mm-hmm. and the same year she's in Tim Ross directorial movie which is one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen in my whole life uh-huh. a movie called The War Zone um, it's funny because Tilda has made two movies that I would never ever watch again for as long as I live and if you literally threaten my life I would maybe have to be killed and it's The War Zone and we need to talk about Kevin so <laughs> the, good for Tilda they're both very good movies in a way also I would I pray I never have to think about them ever again um, uh, anyway The Beach we mentioned same year as Possible Worlds Possible Worlds Robert LePage uh, makes the film he's basically asked to direct it by the um, uh it's based on a play from 1990 mm-hmm. uh, from a, uh, I'm sorry, John Mighton is the author of the play and he wanted LePage to direct. He agreed. And yeah, Connor, do you want to give us, this is, I'm, yeah, I'm throwing I gotta, it on you. This is a more complicated yeah, movie. Th- but, thanks buddy. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. No, you it's, tell it's hard. Cause I don't want to give it away, but no, it's let's hard not to give this one away, but yeah, it is. Um, yeah. As we kind of alluded to, it's like a, it's a small sci-fi movie. Um, and basically it stars Tilda Swinton and all right. So hang on. I'm just going to, I'm going to go to the group for this name pronunciation because my literary brain wants to say Camus for this guy's last name, but it's got a Mick in front of it. So is it McCamus? I believe it's McCamus. McCamus. It must be. Yeah. yeah, Cause, but I, my, 
my brain wants to say Cameron, let me, but let I'm me not going to do it. Let me just bring it Tom? Hey, Tom. No, <laughs> no so it stars uh, Tom McCannis and Tilda Swinton. You get a fun, uh, you get a fun Tilda double role in this movie. She's great at those. I, you know, it's it's funny. I can't think of another person uh, currently working. I'll at least say who's like as good at double roles in mm-hmm. movies as she is. She seems to do them a lot, I guess is my point. Um, yeah. Or I'll, and maybe not even as good, but just as fond. She's, she seems extremely fond of the mm-hmm. challenge. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Um, but basically um, Tom McCamus plays a, uh, a finance Ma- like a yeah, like a mathematician like, yeah it's, like a uh, I'm reading on Wikipedia yeah, here, but like, like a mathematician a, a mathematician account. who's hired by a uh, like a financial firm mm-hmm. and he is sort of having these dreams slash visions of meeting and having a relationship with the same woman over and over but in mm-hmm. one set of visions. Uh, this this woman is named Joyce, uh, played by Tilda Swinton. And in one set of visions, Joyce is also someone who works in finance. She's also a stockbroker. And in another set of visions, she is a scientist, right? And so he is kind of moving in and out. Dan, Mecca, you alluded to earlier, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, kind of struck, structurally similar to that mm-hmm. movie. He's kind of moving in and out of these quote unquote possible worlds. And you get the idea that he is also conscious of the fact that he's able to move between them. Right. Meanwhile, um, there, yeah, there's also, you got to mention La Jete is another thing you sure. think of. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, and probably obvious. I mean, since given the timing, it's probably has to be a key inspiration for this movie. I, I would imagine at least, uh, structurally, but, um, but basically, meanwhile, there is a murder investigation going on uh, involving a victim slash other victims whose brains have been stolen. And the uh, the officers that are investigating it are trying to kind of get to the bottom of it. And they I suppose this is the farthest I'll go with it. Spoilers wise, <laughs> I don't want to go too much into it. But basically, there is the introduction of a German scientist who is doing brain research and may or may not be involved mm-hmm. uh, with these murders in one way or another. And he is doing research involving the human brain specifically as it is connected to the human brain's need to and function of imagination and imagining things. Right. And like thinking of the fact of like, why would we have imagination as a construct that we mm-hmm. even utilize? Right. And again, without giving too much away, the movie kind of dovetails all these things together in a way that ultimately reveals itself in a really nice, lean, like 90 minutes, like doesn't overcomplicate itself. I think this movie is the kind of nice, small sci-fi that gives you just enough of its world to function, right? Like just enough Mm -hmm. for you to kind of go along with it without you having too, too many questions. And even if you do have questions by the end of it, that's sort of the fun of it, I I would argue. And I would say Um, just as a fun fact, Tom Mighton, who wrote the play is the John Mighton, who wrote the play is the uh, assistant to Stellan Skarsgård character in the film. Goodwill hunting. 
Oh, that's interesting. That's weird. Which is, which is yeah. just it's just a fun little thing. Okay, sure. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um but yeah, and then meanwhile, like I said, you have Tilda in the double role as Joyce. Again, you just get to kind of uh you know, you get to see her have mm-hmm. fun. She's got a decent amount to do just insofar as kind of navigating those two roles, one of them being uh, I suppose you could argue both of them are kind of cold, but one of them is certainly a little bit more cold and detached. Mm-hmm. The Joyce stockbroker is a little bit more cold and detached uh, than the Joyce scientist. Um, and uh, and yeah, you get to see her work some some bangs or, or half bangs, I suppose, uh, as a stockbroker. Um, but yeah, I think. I, I, I like this movie. I think it it functions pretty well on its own terms. Mm-hmm. I do think I could have stood, you know, maybe 10 more minutes of just like a skosh more world building. But I do think it's the kind of movie that you kind of when it starts, it's not like, say, Gattaca, where when you dive into it, you know, and I love Gattaca, but you are given a full like hand-holding guide through like, this is the world, these are the rules, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I think this movie operates more on a level of like, just trust me and it'll all fall into place kind of thing. Because I think structurally it just sort of makes these jumps without really, um, without really explaining to you what's going on, even if the characters are asking Mm -hmm. it to, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's possible worlds. What'd you think, Dan? It's so it's it's I you know I I loved I loved this movie maybe more than I than I liked it. I I think it's it's like you know it is kind of messy. It could be a little I don't know. But it's also just like it's so Canadian. It's yes. so oh oh man, is it? And I what's funny is I don't even know if I could get to the heart of why. But there's, when I was reading about it, I just had a moment of like, oh, of course, like they're just because well, there's yeah. just there's like a the attitude. I think what makes it there's a bunch of things that make it really Canadian. I think one of them is just and like not just Canadian in general, but like it sort of falls into a very kind of like specific like 90s um, Canadian cinema thing or just there's something about like the way that these cops are like, huh, I guess we're investigating a stolen brain now. Like, there's just sort of like an accept. There's like nobody's really upset that it doesn't like follow the rules of the world of the real world, which is kind of its secret like that. That's like its secret charm, though, right? It's like like, a myth. Yeah. Yeah. It all feels a little bit like a far side comic or something Mm -hmm. like you're like, do you mean like you're kind of just like from minute one, like when they're investigating the first murder scene and they're looking for, they're like, where's the I do top? love their dynamic. The, no, it's the ama- older and the younger It's amazing. Cop, yeah. And like when, when they're looking, you know, they're like, where's the top of his skull? And then they just look and they're like, uh, and it's like under mm-hmm. the couch, like just for minute one, the movie lets you know, like, this is this, this is the speed, right? Like, and you kind yeah. of have, meanwhile, you have the younger cop trying to do almost like meditations and training to mm-hmm. like get himself to like, essentially like think smarter and be mm-hmm. smart which i just like i also loved i and not to be I, this is going to sound super reductive to like bring it to the most famous person you could think of but i did 
this movie i feel i would love to see this as like a double bill with like crimes of the future or something like mm-hmm. it has that it just has like a cronenberg not not even overall cronenbergy but just that particular movie i feel like my my brain went to like mm-hmm. there is an off kilter mundane acceptance of insanity here mm-hmm. that is so amusing and wonderful well, and speed speedman you know yeah. who's canadian scott right. speedman mm-hmm. uh is very good at doing that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like yeah. his, you know, his um, blankness, mm-hmm. which that... is a, which is a which is a meaner description than I intend it to be. But like his that vacancy, mm-hmm. right, is would work well in this world. Yes, and it works totally. well in Crimes of the Future. Right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. But yeah, I, I take your point. I, I agree. It's funny. It's a really and again, I don't want to. You know I'm not trying you know to like lean word? it directly to Cronenberg, the like one of the most Canadian filmmaker. Or you know what's I mean, famous Canadian? You know what's a good but... a good word for this movie, in my opinion, uh, disarming, right? Because mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, it starts with a murder. You're kind of like okay, and then it kind of approaches it from a different angle, as you but, said. But even and the murder, like, it's even the discovery, like the opening of the movie. Is kind of like here's where we're at in terms yeah. of the tonally where we're doing this because it starts with this lovely shot in it's oh, the in, ocean. Yeah. interior of uh well there's the ocean for the credits but once the actual like movie starts right there's it's the interior of the apartment where the murder has already taken place we don't know that yet and there's this older super slash who's like washing the windows basically. And he kind of you just see his silhouette through the window as he's like climbing up a ladder, doing his thing. He peeks through and then Mm -hmm. it just cuts to a wide shot of him kind of like sauntering down from the ladder and like scurrying away. And just the tone at which even that is handled. You're like, it just elicits a little chuckle. Right. Like you're just kind of like, okay, like like, if you're talking Canadian, you know, Guy Madden comes to mind to mm -hmm, some degree. Right. You're in that. You're in that world you're in that energy you're in that um, possible world if you will well, and, just, <laughs> and it's Go like ahead, the Dan. little thing i just have you guys seen last night the sandra O oh movie from from 98 oh, also Canadian. I, don't, I don't think i have, I have it's not. i know the title though it's like yeah. it's, it's great and and the thing about it that i think kind of encapsulates some of this is that like it's a movie about the end of the world but like oh yeah yeah, the, yeah it's uh-huh. like the end of the world but like but in Canada. So right. like nobody's very few people have their hair on fire about the world being over. Yeah, like right. she's just kind of like living her life. And so there's something about like that, that kind of distance. Um, and uh, there's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's great and weird. And I think, and this is just something else that occurred to me that I want to say before I forget, which is that the, the, there's something interesting about some of these movies and, and Tilda and the fact that um one of the things that makes her career interesting is that she's interested in working with directors that are like not directors or like not Mm. primarily directors or not only directors and like, and certainly not only directors of like feature films, like, you know, John Mayberry and like Derek Jarman came out of like production design and painting and and like experimental stuff. And like, um, Lepage directed operas and weird theater stuff and has like directed some movies but is like in no way primarily a movie director right and there's like and even like i don't know when she's got a julio torres movie coming out which is like you make a movie with him because you like the ideas and the concept and you're not basing it on like a like a a resume as a director of feature films which is like a thing that's carried her all the way through even jarmusch right is a guy yeah like you know to your point she's 
she works with like textured talents, right? Like mm-hmm. she works with like people who are bringing kind of a lot of tools. Yeah. Uh, to the thing that's no, that's a, that's a good point. And like, obviously, I mean, there's the obvious appeal here. You can imagine of just, like I mentioned the dual role, which she does mm-hmm. seem to have fun with. She does a really good job with, um, in a way that, you know, the, again, there's a, I think, a courage to this movie mm-hmm. uh, and her performance in it. But, but the movie as a whole of just that, like it's, there's a level of trust, right. That it, mm-hmm. that it sort of follows through where like the minute you see her on screen, you're, you think you're seeing one thing and then you're seeing another and it's sort of intercut with other things. And you don't know you immediately, I mean, anybody, right. Who's like watched, more than two movies, right? You mm-hmm. immediately start to go like, oh, okay, are these not happening at the same time? Uh-huh. Or they, right? Like, and, and obviously the title, right? So you're you're like picking up some version of what's happening contextually, but still there's a level of like her willingness as a performer to also just understand how to thread through these performances in an evolving way over the course of a movie that does not really have a chronology, right? And like how to tie all those together. And she kind of, not to give too much away, but she does become a linchpin towards the end of the movie in a way that, that, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't necessarily uh, expect. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't, what, so you had seen this movie, Dan, you had not. I hadn't seen this. Okay. What caused you to pick it? Just curious. Just, well, cause I know, um, I know LaPage's work in, in like, opera land um which is sort of Mm. controversial also because like he's done some things that people think are really awful um and so like that was sort of interesting and just like did lapage do was i talking to gavin did he do that adaptation recently of something i was reading about it in the times oh my god i'm I'm gonna forget now i now the name looks familiar to me and i'm realizing it might be because keep keep talking i'm gonna try to find it he did the he did the ring cycle that was recently at the met that was a real disaster because the set was like a bunch of moving platforms that they called the machine and it was really big and really expensive and it didn't always work like during life like it would get stuck like during like and you can't stop an opera (laughs) to like fix a thing unless you literally have to Um, oh yeah i'm looking at the review oh yeah yeah uh, yeah sorry yeah 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 but i'm yeah. and i'm curious and i also i don't know i was interested in part just because like one because it was like canadian and and two because it seemed on paper and it turned out to be true um that it it had something in common with technolust um yes and there's a a certain like late 90s like independent like sort of low budget film like open-mindedness about like what the possibility is of like the internet and new technology and the brain and like in a way that is is like not super i mean like this movie is as some aspects that are sort of depressing but like but that it's not like it's not pessimistic it's yeah. like yeah, let's yeah. think about all of the possibilities like the sky is the limit for like weird stuff and also like the sky is the limit for weird stuff that can happen and and in ways that will change the lives of regular people yeah sure um and that and yeah would end like that technolist is also like that so i was like oh this sounds like another technolisting movie we should watch that one 
Yeah, no, it it's and it's yeah, it's fun. that you know, Technolust is what I was referencing before, where it's this and Technolust, which we'll get to. They just feel, and this I guess would just be the easy comp to sell it to listeners is just like yeah, like they feel like Black Mirror episodes, like they feel, but like better because they're just mm-hmm. like they feel more a little more adventurous with again how they're trying to kind of like put together their stories and and mm-hmm. maybe what you know maybe pushing the limits of like what's acceptable aesthetically and what's acceptable uh just you know narratively from a structure standpoint i mm-hmm. think um i i hesitate to call this movie experimental that feels a little far flung mm-hmm. but like it is certainly like a skosh more experimental than other movies you'd see it kind of maybe well, advertised with mm, like good. like an eternal sunshine which is you know michelle gondry is also a experimental envelope pushing filmmaker to a degree but like comparatively like that movie feels mm. so structurally sound and mundane almost yeah <laughs> um, well and it's a good segue to our most conventional yeah like our most conventional film, movie yeah. our fourth film is the film the deep end which came out the next year a one directed by um scott mcgee and david siegel uh directing partners mm-hmm. who wrote the script along with elizabeth holding i really like this movie i saw this movie a long time ago it was good to rewatch. it's a th- it's a fairly straightforward thriller right mm-hmm. very kind of of its time in the sense of like this is a fox searchlight movie back when these movies would actually get made and released, right? right. Where like, well, now early... it would be a miniseries. This is that kind of movie. Well, it would I be don't like even a... get me started yeah. about how annoying that would be if <laughs> yeah. it was a six episode. You know, but it impossibly... would. It, yeah, it would be no, six know, hours long, and yeah, because yeah. this is a, it's a fairly simple, right? It's uh, unless, but it would you know, still like... have Josh Lucas in it. That's the well, <laughs> and, and, and correct me here, but so I believe this is Pacific Northwest set, right? Yep, and it's. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton. Uh, actually, California. no, no, no. It's Calif- California. California. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're on our way. Yeah. You know, we're, but there, we're, it's, no, but they, there's no Reno in the Pacific Northwest, and exact. Reno is really important to this movie. Right. Waking Very up, waking crucial. Up, waking up in Reno. Yeah. Just a lot of Reno recently in our, uh, our B side. <laughs> so Tilda is a mother um, uh, whose son, basically from scene one, we kind of have a sense that there's danger afoot. Her son uh, is in a in a a not healthy, I would say, relationship with a guy named Darby Reese. Uh, her, the son, uh, Bo, is played by uh, Jonathan Tucker, who young Jonathan Tucker at this point, who would go on to be. Is, is he? He's not Tuck. Is he Tuck Everlasting? No, that's another. I think that I feels too. That I feels believe, too convenient. I believe that's. But I'm going to look it up. Young whippersnapper. Keep, keep anyway, going. Keep going. Um, Tilda in like the first scene, she's like in Reno, right? She's like, hey. I need to talk to Darby Reese. Um, she's at a club. What we quickly learn is uh, Darby Reese, who's played by Josh Lucas, is kind of a hustler of sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, small time, but also not so small time criminal. And um, uh, it escalates fairly quickly um, when Darby is killed. Um near the lake where Tilda Swinton and her husband and her son live, uh, like you said, in Tahoe. And essentially what happens is Tilda, Margaret Hall's character's name, she attempts to cover up the crime 
And little does she know that Darby Reese, Josh Lucas, was in with some way worse sorts who, of course, come looking for him and whatever he whatever he owed them. And that's uh, Goran Viznik, who you would know from ER at the time, a uh, very handsome gentleman. And uh, it kind of gets crazy from there. Very kind of standard thriller noir build. Mm-hmm. Um and it really, look, it speaks to Tilda's kind of unending uh, depth and diversity of, like, ability, where it's like, well, she's, she's, in the, she's in the deep end, baby. No, she's but literally, the, like, the character, I mean, it's a great performance, but, like. Dan Walber's looking at me right now, like, if I <laughs> if I could murder you, she's, I might. She's, uh, no. She, she, Dan's going to be like, Gavin, they, Connor kept making joke puns terrible references um no but but um no but like my point is just like this is a very straightforward movie and what Mm -hmm. i love is like and look she does this a million times after this like we talked about it right you know you know constantine you know narnia friggin you know to a far lesser degree she's uh you know quite you know exposition machine in uh in the some of the marvel movies which i would i would argue those are weak spots for her god bless but but um but She's just a mom trying to protect her family, right? It's like very well, and that's kind of the right. That's and it's the great. it's a white and, knuckle and, performance, and right? That's it's the, like, but that's the crux of the like the whole point of the movie, right? Is like, wait, wait, was Jonathan Tucker? Is he? Tuck? He is no. not Tuck Everlasting, but he is in things that we've co- like. He is so he's in, you'd know him from he's young Tommy in uh, Sleepers, and. Uh, He's in the Virgin Suicides. He of course is he is, in yes. uh he's in the Ruins. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. Oh my god, I saw that in theaters. From Wait, 08. can I tell yeah. you you know who is Tuck? Mm. It's Jonathan Jackson. Guys. Oh, come on. Well, there it's you go. very they look they look they could very, be twins. They could be. That's their true. names. Anyway, um, um but no, the I the the whole crux of the movie is like, what if you had to like be a mom? But then also navigate getting blackmailed and like covering up a murder and like also do these did, other other really hard movie? things. No, I had not. I had not. Did you not like it? I Dan did not Alvin. like it. Um, okay, tell me why. I want to hear. I think it's now. Let me just kind of <laughs> quickly. Let me just give you context. Sure. I love. I love these directors. So mm. they made a movie that came out last year. Their first movie in a long time called Montana Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, Haley Lou Richardson. They made a movie in the early '90s that like blew me away at a young age called Suture. Mm-hmm. They like have made all these different genres of movies, so I always just like that they like are always doing different things. Mm-hmm. I like, love that. But anyway, tell me why I didn't like it. I'm curious. I mean, no, and I, and that's cool. Um, I I think it's oh, oh here we go. I, I I and I I was so unclear why I didn't like it while I was watching it that I, mm. I ended up like sort of taking myself into some really strange places. There was a period this afternoon. This is the last one that I watched. There was a period this afternoon where I was like, do I, do we, am I unfair to movies that are in color? Like, <laughs> do I, cause this movie it's like, so it's based on a short story that was also a noir film from 1949. Yes. Right. Which yeah. I have not seen. Um, but it, it feels like like the plot like yeah, it didn't change much yeah, yeah right sure mm-hmm. and 
And I, I just, and I hear what you're saying about like, you know, it's, it can't, what, what is it like to be a mom and also to be in a crime story? But I also feel like that's, it's like a little beneath her in terms no, of like the skill level that she brings to it. Probably true. Yeah. And I, and I just, I didn't believe a lot of the, like, I don't know. I don't know if it if it's like and part the reason I was like, is it unfair to movies of color um, in movies in color um, to think like this? Because it's like because I was sitting there, and I was thinking like someone shows up in a noir film from 1949 and they're like a tough and then they like they think that they fall for the mom and they're like, maybe I'll change my mind. Like Goran Vision's character does yeah. in this movie. And yeah. I didn't believe it in this movie. And I was like, do I have a higher Am I holding it to a higher standard than the noir films from the 40s where, like, I believe it immediately because, like, that's what they're doing. That's, like, what they're supposed to be that's doing. An, that's an interesting point. I don't know. That's if, a great uh, observation, I think. I can't say and whether I, or not I you're. Tell you, I think when I watch older films, I think about it all the time. Like, well, one yeah. of my favorite Like, movies am I giving ever. this a pass because it's from well, 1945? Yeah. One of my favorite movies yeah. ever, 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 ever is the setup uh, with Robert yeah, Ryan. So- yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great, directed a, by Robert Wise. It's, great it's like movie. 80 minutes. Yeah. It's amazing. But if you made that now, because I've thought to myself, like we I we I rewatched it like a couple months ago, it was on Turner Classic Movies. And I was watching it, loving it, obviously. But I thought to myself, like, why don't I just re like why don't I remake this? Like, why doesn't somebody remake this? Like it's so straightforward. And in some respects, like a little bit of the Bruce Willis character from, you know, from uh Pulp Fiction is like so Robert Ryan. It's like almost annoying in that Quentin Tarantino way, mm-hmm. which we won't even get into. But like, if you just straight up did the setup again, and you like, you know, kind of. But to your point, I had that thought where I was like, yeah, but you know, it would be a, it would be bullshit now. Like you'd have to, you would have to like, you would have to do something. Like you'd have to make like you know. I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Snake Eyes by yeah, by that's Brad a De that's a great right. comparison. Yeah, yeah. now yeah. now you know De Palma can go either way, but I think that's a good example of De Palma basically makes a '40s film, but he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but that would suck, people would hate it, so let me try to do like 40 different things in my De Palma way mm-hmm. to like upgrade it, and you know your yeah. your 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 mileage may vary on a film like that, but I think it very much works. But it's like that's I feel like what you have to do. So your point. Maybe maybe these guys, you know, McGeehee and Siegel, they just didn't do enough. I think in that what respect. doesn't, yeah. what, I, and I lo- I like this movie, but I do agree with you, Dan, in that like I don't, I, I there are certain parts of this movie that just don't feel like they all connect to like they don't quite feel like they're in the we same movie, she and that's got nominated for a Golden Globe for this movie. Mm-hmm. No, Which that's, is funny. That, that's of course no, that's I'm what happens saying, to this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. it's just funny. No, that no, no. I, and I it's just so I think she's good in this movie. Like I think yeah. she did. And to your point, Dan, yeah, maybe she's kind of almost like, you know, she's punching above the movie's weight, right? Right. Yeah, to yeah, a, yeah, to yeah, a degree, yeah, right? Yeah. Like sure. So, yeah. And th- and that's probably fair. I think specifically, like I, <laughs> like Josh Lucas is in a movie from the 1940s in this movie. Right. Like mm-hmm. he feels almost specific. he's even got like a fucking Vincent Price mustache. Right. Which like is he weird. It is. It is weird. I one of the reasons I like it is because it I think he does help set the tone. Right. For at least the movie that I enjoy while I'm watching mm-hmm. this movie. 
because it is just I think it does give it I think he gives the movie an out a little bit I guess is what I'm saying where he gives Uh it like a little bit of like a yeah this is going to be a little it's going to be pulpy it's going to be a little scenery chewing and I think it would have helped more if like Goran Vizhnik was adding a little bit more to that Mm -hmm. but I do think that like Tilda I think Josh Lucas is in the De Palma version of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Tilda is in like the HBO Big Little Lies miniseries uh-huh. version of the movie where it's like a little less stylish, a little bit more down the middle, which is why I think it's engaging thematically. Like what I said, like I think there's a there's a level of like there's a mundane nature to the movie that I think helps it you know, give it a little bit more interesting heft for the reasons I mentioned before, where it's like, yeah, what if someone just had to do all the normal shit, but then also do like high genre shit, right? Like at the same time, right? But it's, yeah, but it's not like, because there's movies that try to do that kind of thing in a totally different direction, right? Like when you're watching like a, 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 this kind of thriller by like the Darden brothers, Okay. Sure. Where, yeah, do you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Where uh-huh. it's like yeah, yeah, hyper yeah. real. Yeah. Well, like that... two 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 days, one night's a little bit like this. right, exactly. Right. And that feels like kind of everything is sort of on the same page in a way that this movie and I and like Josh Lucas is like it felt to me as if he was trying to make the age difference between himself and her son seem seem much bigger than it is. Well, I think everybody is trying to do that, right? Don't you think? Yeah. Like the son is like because it seems like very bad right like everybody the filmmaker like you know we were were talking about this um um in the last b-side episode or i I might be confusing my podcast but i was i was recently mentioning how i love a movie that has original sin in Mm -hmm. it right like i Uh love as a concept a movie opens and it's like, this thing is happening. It's going to curse the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I just, as a construct, I think it's like very um, engaging. And um, mm-hmm. hmm. that has this in regards to what's happening. Right. With Josh Lucas and, and Jonathan Tucker. But to your point, yeah, it's a little, it's a, it's a little obtuse. Right. And then I think you, <laughs> Oh, look, Josh, it's funny. Josh Lucas is a funny, it's an interesting to, to even to talk about. It's just, fu- he's a funny actor where it's like, he does in a lot of ways, he almost belongs in a different decade. Mm-hmm. Like his, you know, he belongs whole, in the forties. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but, you're like, not wrong. He, like, he, but you're not wrong. His, his whole uh, thing really doesn't fit where we are. And I think, you know, perhaps he's learned to harness that in different ways in the, in the, in the last 20 years to some degree, or perhaps not, you know, you know, but, um, uh-huh. but yeah, it's an interesting beginning. And then I think once Tilda kind of anchors the movie, I, I, I become far more engaged. Um, I do think Tucker's good, uh, uh, for what it's worth. And then I, yeah, I, I disagree with you. I love Garn. I love Gorn Vizdig's performance. I think it's. I think such he's a fine. Cr- I'm just saying. I, I don't think, think he's in the same movie. Like I think. No, he's, sure, sure. Yeah, I like, hear that. Like, I just is it? Love... Is there supposed to be a ton of sexual tension between the two of them or not? Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. I do, I don't read a lot like, of it, which could and which it almost could betrays be a it betrays some of the good things that they've got going right. for them stylistically. Like right. There's a 
I won't give too much away, I guess, but there's like a car accident near the end of the movie. Gorn Mishnick's mm-hmm. in the car, right? There Til- is a deep end. Tilda, well. there certainly is. Uh, Tilda deep. leans into the car to mm-hmm. grab something that Gorn Visionick's telling her to grab and their mouth, there's a shot that as she does that, it just stays on their mouths and their mouths are so close. Right. And I like that. And I think in the spirit of the movie where they have actual palpable mm-hmm. sexual tension, a shot like that is amazing and like, right, works right, wonders, right. right. But like, I, yeah, I, that said, I think that's enough to get me over the finish line with the movie where like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's all there. Like, I mean, it's not all there, but it's like things are there and they're just, someone's certainly trying things. And I think granted with a movie like this, you know, not that, it, you know, runtime helps, right. It's like a hundred sure. minutes. It's like nice and quick and and snappy. And so to your point earlier, Dan, if it's the, if it's the six hour version, it's way i hate it way more right like i as opposed to just watching it for 100 minutes and being like well because you're gonna get the you know and that stupid version or or perhaps more stupid version uh, according to according to you lovely people but (laughs) you would get you would get the you know jonathan tucker bottle episode right yeah and you get kind of needs more though i think sometimes because they don't the, the primary change in this script from the the movie in the 40s is the gender swap of the kid Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to change more things right. than sure. that. Okay. And that's yeah. often a problem I have with gender swap stuff where it's like you can't you have to think about more thing more there are more impacts of that than you might expect and it might be like it might be a political point and you know i mean this is 20 years ago it might have been like uh, at the time it might have been like a really big deal to be like why don't we just take this old script and flip the gender and like change very little else because there like aren't that many movies with gay characters about this thing and like i understand that and i think that's like you know it is what it is the movie was like certainly well received like this was definitely like for you know when you talk about tilda for a lot of American audiences, this like we mentioned it before, like this is the this is the precipice of like, you know, this is like the art house, mm-hmm. you know, appetizer, right? You know, betwixt the beach and Vanilla Sky, right? right? It's like she, you know, this is the Golden Globe nomination, which you know doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's not nothing, right? right. It's very much like it's certainly oh the, you know. Here is the small movie amongst two big mm-hmm. movies. This person's going to be yeah. somebody. And then, you know, yeah. four, two years later, three years later, she's, you know, you know, in Narnia. But like, but, and while um, she's stretching herself with this movie in ways that, that then, and not that don't lead to Narnia, but that lead to like, I mean, there's a line in the kinds of performance and the kinds of character here and the kinds of movie that follow through to Michael Clayton and yeah, then Julia 100%. and then we need to talk about Kevin. And yeah. like, that's like all of those things sort of happen I, yeah. in a line. I was this. thinking about that. Cause I techno yeah. was the last one that I watched, but I watched this one last night. And then as kind of like a brief palate cleanser before moving on to techno I was like, I'm going to rewatch Michael Clayton. So that's mm-hmm. like what I did last night. And it was, I was thinking that, that it is like, it's, I mean, like I said before, like all the movies we've talked about, are are her doing versions of movies that could have way more straightforward and frankly more boring versions of those mm-hmm. movies right and it's sometimes it's because she's in them and sometimes she's in them because they're weird but either way mm-hmm. they're just the weirder version of the thing right right and like i think this still fits that mold it's like a little bit more interesting and a little bit weirder than it than it could be in in other hands or with other people but it does there is a 
Yeah, there is a like, let me let me do one for the straights almost kind of like <laughs> kind of like path mm. being set up here that like you could see how Michael Clayton, the, the stepping stone say, to which like the, the Michael Clayton performance is like. Well, I was going to say that what mm-hmm. I like about it, the Michael Clayton yeah. win is it's one of those rare Oscar wins where it literally just feels like everybody was like, well, look, this is just the best performance. So we're just <laughs> right. We are right. just going to give the Oscar. It's not like. Oh, but you know, Mickey Rooney's been around for so long. Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. right? You know, James Coburn's been around for so long. It's literally because that's the year she beat she beats out Kate Blanchett for "I'm Mm -hmm. Not There" that that year, which I feel like at the time felt like the that's it, right? Like it felt like. Can I I tell you? I don't want to rewrite history. I don't really remember. Can I tell you a performance that I don't? I don't like. You don't like that Kate Blanchett performance. Kate Blanchett, I love her. Oh, God I knows. like it. But but like that it. is the that's one, and I love that movie. I love I'm not there. I love it. But hand to God, that's one where I'm like, she's kind of just like half doing Bob Dylan. Are we all oh, just I, acting like? I, this? Like I know I'm alone. Yeah. I'm very much. I know I'm in the minority here, but I'm just saying, I've never really gotten that. Right? Come at me if you want. I, I do think it's because of the nature of that movie and the kind of movie that it is and the way that it's approaching mm-hmm. its subject. I and not that this I would normally not necessarily think this, but I do think mm-hmm. the fact that it's Kate Blanchett doing it is intentionally like 50 percent of the thing. Right. No, like, sure. like, mean, you know, I, like, you know, I get it. Uh, yeah. But, but uh but no, the deep end. You guys have convinced me. I hate it. Now. No, I think it's. I, I'm I, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm I kidding, like the movie. Like I'm full kidding, full kidding. disclosure. I think it it is streaming. You could watch it like and again listener if you're someone who likes the kind of stuff that we just we talked about in terms of like if you like a decent pop boiler like i think it's worth the watch i think it's i think it's fun but yeah i think there's a it is the most straightforward and Mm -hmm. i do think maybe ironically not so ironically like that says something right that like it's Mm -hmm. i i think maybe the weakest of these five movies in its own way and maybe because Tilda is is like playing it more right down the center, even though it's still a very good. I mean, she's still great, still a great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, the last film is is and we mentioned it obviously a couple of times now, but it's Techno Lust, which um, just to kind of reiterate the director of the film, um, uh, it is written and directed by Lynn Hirschman. Leeson and stars Tilda Swinton in multiple roles, Jeremy Davies and James Urbaniak, um, among others. Karen Black's in it as well. Very fun in this film. Um, Connor, I'm going to give you an, this also complicated one <laughs> uh, you to close this son of, you son of a bitch. Okay. I mean, uh, it's great. I love doing it. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> all right. Give, all right. Hang on. Give me a minute. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's a. <laughs> It's basically it's a small sci-fi movie. It is essentially Tilda, like we alluded to before. It's her doing another set of sort of multiple roles um, in this movie. She is playing four characters, um, but it basically is about uh, a scientist played by Swinton named Rosetta Stone. If that, mm-hmm. if you just need it, if you need to know where this movie's operating from, all of that. Uh, Karen Black's name is Dirty Dick in it. Like that's that's, that's so where this good. it's great. That's where this movie's coming from. Um, so that I think, if you're not on board with that, 
you can walk away, come back later. But basically, um, she is a scientist who has put her DNA into these sort of robot clones that she's made that she calls SRAs, which are uh, self-replicating automatons. And they occasionally, I should say not occasionally, they sort of continually go out into the real world to, because they feed off of Y chromosome in this case, semen, right? So they go and they seduce, Mm -hmm. uh, they seduce men and they basically take their semen, bring it back. Namely, you, you get the idea that like, really it's only one of the three that's Mm-hmm. doing this like in theory this is what they're all built kind of i don't want to say for but this is all something they could do but f- really well you kind of not to spoil but like two of them are interested in each other yeah yeah it's it's basically right. they're the three sort of sra tildas are ruby olive and uh marine right mm. and Olive and Marine basically usually tend to just stay in because they, as Dan mentioned, they kind of, they have a relationship with each other. They have comfort and connection with each other. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whereas Ruby keeps going out and she's sort of the one who I kept not to pivot, but like I kept thinking of under the skin watching this movie. Like it's got a little bit of that kind of vibe almost like mm-hmm. well it's like if Greg the, Racky directed under the skin like, yes right? that's like, actually it's, it's, it's very that's a great, like a little to me yeah a, no 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 that's a, I think it felt like kaboom but also <laughs> under the skin like a little bit you know um I, but, that's interesting <laughs> it's I mean not that fairly it's not as I mean, and I it's did, not it's never it, as I mean. it's never as ominous uh by any means, obviously, as as under the skin. But I just mean on a purely like plot functional level of like sure. tilled Ruby is this kind of alien, for lack of a better term, you know, mm-hmm. like per, organism that has to go out of the world and sort of feed off of dumb men. Right. By seducing them, basically, um, is sort of what the, her kind of immediate pattern is in the movie. As this goes on, though, you realize that they the men are getting infected with a virus that makes them impotent and also brands them with barcodes on their head. Mm -hmm. And so as this virus is spreading, uh, this agent uh, played by James Urbaniak um, sort of starts to investigate it. He brings in Karen Black to help him do so as well. Simultaneously, you get Jeremy Davies as just a photocopier guy, basically, mm-hmm. uh, who runs just a small press that uh, he's lovelorn, clearly, you know, clearly lonely looking for a woman. And this is all sort of happening adjacent to that. Eventually, Ruby kind of comes into his to, into his life as she is then sort of wanted for what she has done to all of these other men. Meanwhile, Rosetta Tilda is kind of trying to navigate all of this and not get caught as these creations of hers sort of slowly slip outside of her control. That's basically the movie, right? Did yeah, I, I, it's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. kind of sprawling, but I feel like I got it right. Um, and, and it's 83 minutes, which is yes. a, a dear filmmaker friend of mine often says is the perfect uh, runtime for a movie. Yeah, um, no, yeah. it's hard to argue that. I, I I would agree. I think it helps in terms of like, 
I, I think the first thing I had to get past with this movie was just, was its aesthetics, frankly. Like, I think you got to just kind of like there's a very run and gun, very early 2000s digital. Mm. I think I saw somewhere that this is actually one of the first movies to be like rendered in like a converted HD. Mm. Um, that makes sense. Uh, digital format. But um, but yeah, I think. It's I think in that regard, that's what's cool about Karen Black being in it kind of right. It's Mm -hmm. got this very, you know, uh, it's got this very new Hollywood energy to clearly what's going behind it, like Mm -hmm. that the aesthetics aren't necessarily the thing. If you can kind of ride with the vibe and everything else, it kind of works. And I would agree. Um, Yeah, I think they they are and they they are and they aren't Um, because it's also like so very much like. It's very aesthetically deliberate. Yes, nothing seems to happen by accident. I guess it just doesn't, at a glance, feel as like polished as you Mm. might expect it to. I guess sure. I just I think it's what's cool about the way that it's aged. I think is that the the ways in which it's unpolished are exactly the ways in which the internet of that era looks unpolished Mm, in exactly the same way. And so it feels sort of like more intentional as time goes by. Um, I have a little umbrage uh, though um, to take um, with, with just, just cause, just cause somebody mentioned under the skin, which is a movie that I hate so much. Um, Oh, you hate, you hate under the skin? Yeah, it's, it's trash garbage. Um, But (laughs) but I think it's, I mean, it's it's not, don't worry about it. I'm not like, no, no, no. I just, I'm curious about, I want to hear more, but anyway, keep going. I almost, I barely made it through the the end of that screening actually. But anyway, um, so what's, what's, I think is, is like just one word that I would change because I think you did a beautiful job. Um, describing the plot. But I think the the difference that makes it different from Under the Skin is that I wouldn't use the word feeding off sure, of the Y right, chromosome. Because right. it's not really like... like They're not killing the men to to get like their essence or whatever, like to, right. to then exist. And it's yeah, not that's a good point. Yeah. predatory. Um, and, and it is a little in that she's doing it without their experience explicit like they don't I mean, know what no, she's they, doing they to them no, but it's not like she's okay so it's like this is actually a really interesting conversation now because it's like yeah. she so it's only right so it's one of the three of them that does it it's not as if they're like eating it right so she goes out no she it's comes injected back yeah. with with mm-hmm. semen in a jar they inject it in because yep. basically like because they're robots not really robots but they're like clones made from a computer program that yeah. simulates dna they like need regular y chromosome updates in order to you know which is like techno babble anyway but like i could have stood she... for that to be like a skosh more explained because sure. i do i do love shit like that mm-hmm. in like i like good junk science in movies uh-huh. so if yeah, you can yeah. do a good enough job to like get me through there to like really believe your thing is real i could have I, and again this is I think this movie is deliberately loose with a lot of that. And that's part of the fun. And I think that's part of the spirit of the thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that would have sold me a little bit more where I'd be like, ah, it is smart though. Sure, like, that makes sense. And it's, you're, you're not wrong in that it is there in the movie and those, that is the reasoning. Well, but she's not like, she's, she's a little, she's clumsy about it. So she's not like, you know, super hot sex space alien sent down to do whatever Scarlett Johansson was sent down to do in that movie. Right. She's sure. Like, her pickup <laughs> lines in bars are like badly delivered right. pickup lines right. from old Hollywood movies that sometimes don't work and she like goes to another guy in the bar and so it's like it's not it it doesn't on paper i guess it's like predatory but like it's never felt to me 
as if it's like and but of course the, the predatory aspect of it is the plot of the movie right i guess because right. like james urbaniak comes in because there's a perception that these men are being preyed on um and like yeah okay fine being impotent is unfortunate but also like i don't know like in the context of the movie and the people in the movie and yeah sure like sure. it's like yeah so what you know um yeah yeah and, yeah, and yeah. i think that sort of that aspect of it that nothing is like which is similar kind of to parallel worlds in that like very rarely does anybody in the movie like scream to the heavens about this horrible thing that's happening yeah yeah they're just kind of dealing with it um which is cool um i don't know i love it i I think this is the movie that i have recommended most in my life to people to watch Um, i was thinking about that earlier just from like i'll see someone who has nails that remind me of the nails in the movie and i'm like have you seen technolust like and the nails that they use to like as chips in the the door like it's it's really clever the the and i don't know if you if you noticed this when you were reading about the movie but that like the agent ruby chat room was like yeah, a real yeah, it was thing like a that thing. they made. It and, gets, and it gets, it's part of the credits too, if you watch the movie say, all yeah, the way I, through I, to the end, yeah. Right, they they have it up there, like rubychatroom.com or mm-hmm. whatever. And theoretically, um, it's still accessible on like, oop, there it is, on the uh, SFMOMA um, website. You can like, it's like been archived and you can like still kind of. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I was actually wondering about that. That's super I was gonna, cool. I was going to look into that. It was like the, how the Space Jam website for the first movie was like live for like, they literally updated it for the freaking LeBron sequel, which is like sure. a tragedy, which was, a, you know, because it yeah. was like a fun 1996, like, you know, HTML or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one thing I couldn't stop thinking about was I wish we could get one more Tilda Jeremy Davies movie. Because their <laughs> their acting styles, I was like very entranced by their, you know, not they don't have a lot of scenes together, but they have a few. Yeah. And I was really engaged by like just their, you know, they're both kind of giving goofy performances, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like they both do goofy, God knows, so well. Mm-hmm. And they're playing off each other and it feels very natural. And it's not even like they have some great chemistry, not that they're even really meant to, but it's almost like, I don't know that they have bad chemistry either. I found myself literally, I like looked, I Googled, I was like, did they make another movie together? And I don't believe they ever mm-hmm. have. And I was kind of like, Jeremy Davies doesn't seem to do a lot anymore, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I want, give me another one. Cause- I mean, honestly, the last thing I, I know him from, frankly, is I think he did like a voice for one of the God of War games or something. Oh, like, funny. What, it was like, it yeah, was I like, just, I found that to be um, incredibly like, arresting i thought they were like i liked i, I liked their, yeah, they're really I liked good together their and yeah. i think it helps that like this i mean you know this uh, and i think this movie could live or die by frankly like a single performance in it mm-hmm. not not really working but like every person and this speaks to the direction too obviously mm-hmm. like every person is in the same movie they know exactly what movie they're in i love all of the exchanges with the doctor Mm-hmm. where he's just like they're like yeah no and uh so she you know she and they're like just explaining what happened like yeah no she had this like beeping thing on her neck and he's like oh she had a beeping thing on her neck okay cool <laughs> like you know but he's like and he's like yeah. repeating it back to them as if he knows what the fuck they're talking about like he's uh-huh. just kind of like he's like yeah okay cool totally yep like uh there's a lot of that that i think works really really well here i think I think Tilda does pretty good work. I don't really think the movie's structured well enough to give not that not that this is really 
necessary, but I don't think you get to see enough of how she navigates all of the different performances. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's clear it's kind of definitely weighted towards like Ruby and Rosetta. And then mm-hmm. Ma- Maureen is like the kind of third mm-hmm. that you get kind of the most fleshed out. And Olive is just, kind of, I think, kind of there to round out the yeah. triptych, basically. But, um, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's just a fascinating little movie. Um, and again, I think this this is just one of those like fearless Tilda things where it's just I the, the thing I kept thinking of and it's a different kind of movie. Um, but I think the same vibe I got when I watched it is I kept also thinking of like a movie like Holy Motors while watching this, just something that presents itself in such a way that you're like. I don't know what I expected. I didn't expect this. This is certainly, I think, more plotted than something like Holy Motors is, obviously. But just in the way that it unfolds um, and the way that it sort of presents the different facets of its world, I kind of was like, okay, like, you just got to ride with it. Like, Let me just say Jeremy Davies was in The Black Phone. Which came out last year. Oh, good for good for him. Which I did not get around to seeing the Ethan Hawke horror movie, The Black Phone. Good for him. That's nice. Um, so he's still he's still around. So you know, there's still a chance. Let's get him. Uh, let's get him until they're back together. Techno lust too. As we kind of approach the end of our of our of our episode here, I just wanted to mention I did really enjoy Tilda in the that Alma Devar short, The Human Voice. Oh yeah. Uh, Somewhat recently, I thought that was kind of a very interesting piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know. There's a million things she's done. Like, we've referenced it a bunch of times. I mean, it's really fast. Her career is like, like, she's, she, like, I'm even, as I, you know, I, I don't want to take too much time to go through. But, like, like, even in bigger films, she tends to give these very, you know, idiosyncratic performances that are, like, tend to be extremely memorable like is she i'm trying to remember is it the is it the is it the judd apatow movie she's in or am i confusing that with the um it's it's a movie with um yeah obviously i'm just looking at her imdb we have oh yeah train wreck yeah yeah so in train wreck not a not a great film but she's like the editor of the place where um, Amy Schumer works. Right, and she yeah. like employs this, it's like this insane <laughs> over the top performance. And it's like, even in something like that, right? Like a, a very mainstream Judd Apatow comedy. It's such a memorable, like three scenes where it's like, you know, and then obviously other like very A-side stuff, a bigger splash, right? All of the, all of the Wes Anderson pictures she's in, of course, which one coming out in a couple of weeks as we record this asteroid city. Um, you know, we mentioned the, uh, the Bong Joon-ho films, Akja and, uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Snowpiercer, you know, um, you know, she's interesting in the film, the limits of control, which is a Jared Moosh movie, uh, very funny and burn after reading, is there anything like Dan? Is there any ones that we didn't talk about that are good? Like I never saw Julia. That's like a movie that gets a lot of attention. That's a smaller film. I, I never saw that film, Julia. Yeah, she's great in that. I, I I think what's interesting is that she like 
there it's I guess that there's a couple of things, right? Because there's all the, you know, she's there's there's the Marvel or whatever, which also happens. But it seems like a a thing that comes for everyone, um, whether or not we want it to happen. Um, and like, who am I to wish yes, someone Dan, not like, get a pile of money? But like, there's I, it's like death. Dan. Yeah, it's way for us all. But there's it feels almost as if like. There's maybe it's, there's sort of three kinds of movie given, you know, pretending that I guess acknowledging that the Marvel shit is its own thing. But like it feels as if there are movie, the kinds of movies that didn't exist when she got started that are weird, but that famous people get paid well to be in. And like the Wes mm. Anderson stuff is like, you know, sure. now there's a, a kind of movie that she can be in with other famous people that like yeah, wasn't yeah. around before. And or so the, she Co- keeps... the Coens. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and people that were coming up around the time that like before she sort of arrived in Hollywood, but that were kind of beginning to make movies at the same time as she was beginning to make her first movies. And, but then, but she still makes like the further afield stuff, um, which I also really, I think you, should, you sort of have to watch like all of it because like she did a really, you know, she like made a documentary of that was just her interviewing John Berger um, mm-hmm. a few times mm-hmm. that was cool a few years ago. Um, I think Memoria is really great. Mm. Um, and really Did you bizarre. See that? Were you able to see that in a theater there? Again? I was. I got to see it um, at Museum of the Moving Image. Um, oh, that's awesome. And that's it's, awesome. Oh, it's so good. And like, you know, and she's also working. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about what this Joshua Oppenheimer movie is going to be. But like, she's like still making movies with people that like are not people whose resume has much, if any, like narrative film like sure. movies and so i don't know i mean like what's what's the what and, is the guy who made the act of killing gonna make as a, a narrative film with tilda right? you know what i mean yeah. like, doing that's that. gonna right, be right. interesting if nothing else well and it's it's it, it's just to wrap that all up in a bow right like when when like the coen brothers and wes anderson are like your lame mainstream you know lame <laughs> mainstream stuff yeah. like you're doing great like that's great like yeah um, right. She looked. Look. She was in. I mean, look. She was in a, a, a co-lead role in. Well, I think one of George Miller's most interesting films, Three Thousand Years of Longing, last year. Right. Like, to your point, that's one of her more quote-unquote normal films. Right. And like that movie was a catastrophe. Right. right. Like, in terms of its release and mm-hmm. reception and whatnot. So it's like. I do Nothing actually just all of them a quick like PSA that. for anybody who wants to try and watch that on Amazon Prime like I did. Uh, for whatever reason, the subtitles are not in the movie, which is very annoying. Funny. Um, which is kind of lends itself to an interesting watch if you've already seen the movie. But uh, but yeah, kind, kind of annoying. But, you know, the souvenir films plus obviously the Eternal Daughter, which is part, you know, part of the same world. That's. It's own interesting elements, right? That's a newer thing that she's doing. Um, you know, Only Lovers Left Alive, certainly not a – it's certainly an A-side. She's incredible in that film. That's a Jarmusch Probably movie. Probably like really, a top five that really, favorite that movie performance. Really crossed over, right? That, that yeah. became like yeah. – yeah. for Jarmusch, that was certainly a hit, right, in the world of him. I think she's lovely in Benjamin Button. That's a movie I, 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 I love deeply. I, I know that's some maligned, you know, Fincher film. She's in Fincher's new film, The Killer, coming out. Um so, yeah, it's kind of like impossible to overstate how accomplished she is, mm-hmm. right? Like, as I just even look at, you know, like, for example, a movie I haven't even thought about, but like I loved when I was younger that she's in and very good in that movie Thumbsucker, 
uh, which sure. was an early yeah. uh, Mike Mills movie, right? That's I love that movie. I love Keanu in that movie. I love Lutia Lapucci in that movie. Um, you know, that's an indie. That's a Sundance movie. You know what I mean? It's like so. There's just a lot there, and I think you know if this podcast kind of gets you, you know, to check out things like if you haven't seen Orlando, if you haven't seen the Jarman movies, right? Like which I haven't, right? So, you know, you know, got me to watch The Tempest, right? I look forward to rewatching, you know, War Requiem and you know the rest of them, which I haven't seen. Last of England we mentioned. I think she can be such a great in for so many different angles mm-hmm. and you know, worlds of film. And I think f- precious few people you can say that about, like maybe Manicio del Toro we recently covered. You could kind of talk about that. Like he's done some, you know, like there's a few people who can do that. Right. But it's, it's, it's a very small group. And even like, to your point, like with the Coens, you know, I love Hail Caesar. And one of the reasons is she plays the, you know, essentially the, you know, Hedda Hopper. Yeah, Luella Parsons. You know, the twin sisters. Yeah. And when she's at that whole movie, she's like, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie? You know, yeah. she's like screaming. I mean, that is one of the that's funniest another tilde, parts of That's that. a double, another Tilda yeah, double role. Just, I mean, that would be interesting to watch all of her, like, multiple performances sort of in a yeah, run. There's seriously. probably like six or seven of them. Yeah, we could do that, and then and then ta- and then do manifesto with Kate Blanchett, and just really like mm-hmm. compare <laughs> compare and contrast. Sure, um, but uh, yeah, man, this was this was a treat for me because Agreed. I really, you know, I feel like I learned. I don't know if it's someone we would have. I, I don't know if it's someone we would have like put on the list otherwise. You know, because I don't think I think we first grasped the people well, I who think like because Dan kind of said it earlier. I don't. It's hard. B-side kind of doesn't do her justice, right? Because sure. it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, it. she does kind of spit in the the face of the definition, right? Like, and I think rightfully so. I think she certainly There's a, There of, is a Tilda Swinton movie for everyone. Like, yeah. yeah. Like that, That's well said. And you can't, That's well said. I, there aren't, you know, I mean, maybe there are a lot of people who can say that, right? Who have well, a, and I'll give good you, eclectic like, careers, I'll give you an example. but. Like, like, like. It's so Julie easy. Mecca, yeah. my, you know, my mom, she watches a lot of movies, but certainly, you know, is not going to go watch Love is the Devil, right? Like, you know, and that's fine, right? You know, but she likes Tilda a lot. She loves Michael Clayton. She she has seen The Deep End, blah, 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 right? I, oh, I could have bet Julie Mecca seen but, The Deep End. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and obviously likes it. Um, but what I was going to say was, she watched Only Lovers Left Alive and really loves it. And I can promise you, if Tilda's not in that movie, she's right. not watching that movie mm-hmm. and not discovering that movie and not loving it. She doesn't care about fucking coffee and cigarettes, limits of control. You know, she doesn't know. You know, it's not, you know, who you know, who would blame her? But it's like, that's my point. It's like, Tilda really does there is a Tilda movie for everyone. That's so true. Well, and, and, I, that's, I, and that's, I, yeah. I think my main takeaway, this was kind of like the thing I was noticing watching all these is like, it, it, she feels like a, like a gateway drug to just being weird. She, it's like watching a Tilda Swinton movie, especially if you've already watched her in something that might be more mainstream. It's like, she gives you an allowance, right? It's like, she puts you in this, like, 
very comfortable place because she exists between multiple worlds, right? And so there's this thing of like, okay, well, here is this person I can latch onto that gives me the latitude I need to like also enjoy this thing that might not otherwise be part of like my purview, right? And I think that's there aren't many people who have that under their belt. I'll say that like that's definitely a rare a rare thing. But now, um, what do you think, Dan? Any final words before we? shuffle off into this good night oh this is a very good question um i don't know i think it's it's just it's the it's the adjacent stuff that i think is really interesting and and i you know i I don't know just now now that's not what i want to say what i want to say is just that like the early stuff is really amazing and people should watch it i like because you know (laughs) my my first encounter with her was like and i'm not to be honest i don't know if i saw the narnia movie i just i i know that the image of 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 her the publicity of for that movie was like oh there's a person that can look like this and and be in movies um and then i don't you know i thought about it to a, a some and then when i moved to new york um to you know like study movies and and stuff um uh someone that i was in grad school with um took a bunch of us to go see i think it was a restoration of orlando Mm. and and that was like piece two for me where it's like someone can look like this in movies and then also like that can be in the surface of something like truly brilliant and eye-opening and that like that is a movie and a lot of her movies are movies that like lead you sure to her other movies and to that director's other movies but also like to an entire universe of like what can all of this stuff the the novel that it's based on the artist that collaborated the it's like, so true you know quentin crisp is is in that movie. there's like all kinds of different kinds of people that are connected to the stuff that she's been in and so it's like a whole box that opens up beyond just like the film mm. stuff that's interesting about it and like you know i don't watch that many movies i mean I still watch a fair amount of movies, but like I don't watch, you know, two to four a day anymore because it's no longer my job. And I the stuff that I return to is like like Technolust is is and 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 Edward the Second. And like these are movies that are going to like live with me, live with me for the rest of my life, like regardless of whether or not like sure. the movies in general are like the thing that I get up every morning to do. Right. Um, yeah. And it, I think it says, you know, a lot about her as an actor, but also like about her as a collaborator. Um, which is cool. and I love, and I'll tell you this as a final thought. What I I've watched, a, I watched a couple of interviews with her. Uh, a, a really good one at uh, courtesy of Film and Lincoln Center, which I'll, I'll obviously put the link in the article. She's so blasé about the process, right? She's so mm-hmm. like, we did it. It sounded interesting. Like, like you know, I referenced it earlier in a different context with like the whatever, but it's like. I, I can't speak to like how quote unquote method she is or not. I don't even know. I don't, it, it doesn't read like she is, but it's like, she's just doing the work. Right. And I like that. I like, it's like, she's, she's like Connor said earlier, she's fearless, but also it's like, she's getting up in the morning and going to set and doing the job. And it's like, I like that, that plus the shit she does is weird and cool. Mm -hmm. That, that alchemy where they're, there's so little pretension is like such a gift yeah because it's like that shit really that is the shit in my opinion that ostracizes people from watching that shit it's like just be a person like you're going to work like you don't need to like you don't need to make this shit like it's you know 
like you're a monk and you know it's like some secretive beautiful thing it's like you're just doing the work and some yeah and it's, a lot of it's amazing right yeah. and it's like that's where i think she elevates herself above so much and like look and Kate that's Blanche probably like that too, honestly that's but like, probably where the yeah. fearlessness comes from right is just this maybe, thing of like maybe. yeah it's just it's maybe. whatever right like they're just yeah. not making a big deal out of it yeah yeah, and then I'll just ask. Look, my final pre is John Mayberry. If you're listening, just call Tilda. Like, make, make one more, uh, just for with, me. Just even with, get Jeremy it. Davies involved. Yeah, uh, follow yeah, up I on what happened to those people. You know, I got a twenty in my pocket, dude. You know, well, I'll give you that'll a little. Pay for it. That'll you just cover send it. me. It'll be you know, do like a two minute little. That'll, anyway. that'll All cover. Right, well, Dan, we've we've kept you long enough. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh, we appreciate your time. Um, this has been truly, I, I you know, I, I, I wish I had more time to even prepare because, because I, I do plan to kind of do a further deep dive into the early work. And I super appreciate you kind of bringing Tilda into our further into our lives. And, and, and we thank you for that. And, uh, and, and that's all I have to say about that. Sure. If you don't mind, um, if I can just like plug a little please plug. absolutely um, please uh i don't have a twitter uh anymore um but Good if you, you uh if the people listening to this have found anything that i've had to say interesting um and uh want to go somewhere else um they can follow close friends collective on instagram um uh i and some uh truly wonderful colleagues um are uh building a, a queer history walking tour uh program out there we got a bunch of tours this summer coming up for pride and then after that um if you want to hear about queer history and queer art history um in new york city and uh that's the kind of thing you're interested in uh follow us and and we can talk in the world i love that thanks connor will you do us the honor of uh oh i guess i should do i always forget this follow me twitter dj mecca i sometimes review sometimes interview um follow at fathom stories where we do our little short twilight zoney stories we have two i hope two coming out in june i have to edit them and that's always you know that's its own thing but um and then um a couple more recordings so a few coming out and then and then now connor i will pass to you no to yeah, all, all good uh, just dan thank you again for joining us and for picking just a really it's not often that i enjoy all of the movies in a selection uh when we Amen. when we do this yeah. stuff so Seriously. it's a, it Seriously. is a gift when it happens and i do not take it for granted so i want you to know that but um thank you so much for coming on uh, you can follow me on Twitter at scruffy looking. I do also occasionally write some things uh, and uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Letterboxd at TFSB side. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, you can shoot us an email at B side at the film stage dot com. B-S-I-D-E at the film stage dot com. Uh, also, tangentially uh, in other podcast things, uh, as of this recording and I suppose this airing, um, we will be starting up uh, Cinephile Summer. We'll be bringing back Cinephile Game Night for a sort of a podcast slash video podcast version 
of the uh, of the live game show that we started a few years ago. It's been dormant for a little while. We're bringing it back for a a little uh, summer run, some summer fun. So uh, we we have uh, one in the tank so far that'll be airing with our favorite friends from Letterboxd. So keep your just eyes and ears peeled out in the world for that because that'll be emerging shortly. Um, other than that, uh, for this we have coming up, we'll be doing an episode on the B-sides of Orlando Bloom. And we are not, since it is summer yet again, we are not too, too far away from setting up uh, our annual selection of audience choice uh, polls for for all of you to just weigh in on what you'd like to hear from us next and in the future. So keep your ears peeled for all that. Thank you for listening. And till the next one, <laughs> just keep swimming. Uh. And now you're listening to the B-side.